people often speak of the the right to resist force with force. But he says, if you're a Christian, you have an obligation to do that because you owe something to he who originated your liberty. You are listening to And If Love Remains, a unique show spotlighting people, ideas, science, culture, and art. Your host, Mike Lovett. Mike Lovett. Yes, Rachel. This is your podcast in the sky, And If Love Remains. I am your sometimes virtuous, rarely vile, always virile host, Mike Levitt. Welcome to the show. And we have with us the Lion of Liberty, the man, the machine, the legend himself, Joey Wolverton. Welcome. Thanks, man. That that little introduction of yours is worth like three points in categories. Plus, it's just, it's just I'm I might just have to tax and redistribute that. To be honest, that's that's a pretty awesome uh, way to describe yourself. Well, you know, I, I was go, I had a V thing going. You know, you had it, and you rolled with it. I was I was afraid. You know, you might derail, but you just got stronger oh. as you went on. So, well, it doesn't. Yeah, but stronger than that. Well, hey, I am super excited. By the, by the way, we are coming not live, but we are coming over video. This is my first video podcast. So I'm very excited to have Joey on for this little, um, you know, check in the And If Love Remains, um, you know, uh, uh, checkbook of things to do. So very excited for that. So, but I'm excited to talk about, we're going to continue to talk a little bit about Marcus Aurelius and meditations, some of the philosophies. Um, again, um, uh, uh, Professor Wolverton has put together a, uh, a Monsignor, Monsignor. Monsignor. <laughs> That's right. has put together a book club that we're going to be reading meditations by Marcus Aurelius. Um, you know, get in touch with me or him. And um, we'll put those those contacts in the uh, description if you're interested in joining. The, it's free. Um, just the price of the book, man. It's awesome. It's awesome. Yeah. So um, you- very excited about that. But this, how are you doing, man? What's new? I'm doing well. Just, yeah, just doing the same old, same old, you know, um, teaching these principles, trying to get to get people, you know, familiar with the principles that, you know, made us well, kept us free. God made us free, but that kept us free for so long and just trying to do that still every day in one way or the other. I suppose most of my time now, as we speak right now, since it's summertime, is filled with writing for the New American Magazine. I write a few articles for them every day online at thenewamerican.com. And you can read my stuff over there. I, yeah, I try to It'll be very familiar with the kind of things that I talk about uh, everywhere. It's yeah. the same kind of stuff. And and yeah, I do three articles over there a day, uh, Monday through Saturday. And um, that's where I'm in my time right now. I have several projects. I'm, I'm doing second edition of my biography of James Madison and uh, second edition of the Founder's Recipe book. And yeah, just, you know, got a trying to take years off my time in hell, brother. That's what I'm trying to do. <laughs> We're all trying to get out on good behavior. <laughs> there you go, man. There you go. Um, you know, one of the things, uh, it's funny it, it, when one thinks of the um, Roman empire, um, I mean, I don't necessarily immediately think of freedom, although there was a modicum of freedom with, if you're a Roman citizen, especially, mm-hmm. um, but uh, but there's a lot of the principles that carry through that that kind of Western heritage that we've that we've accumulated, you know, comes a lot from the Romans and comes from um, the Stoics, as we've talked about before, Marcus Aurelius. And and um, and part of that is is the idea that um, as a person, um, you have the right to. um uh, to resist tyranny that, that, that when, when somebody comes upon you with force, you have the right to resist that, whether that is, um, you know, a neighbor, um, a, a robber or a, a political figure, 
all, I mean, they're all the same in the mind of, of if they're, if they're attacking you, you have the right to defend and to resist those things. Absolutely. And not only the right, but the obligation to do that. And, you know, Algernon Sidney, who wasn't a stoic per se, but he, uh, in chapter two of his book, uh, Discourses Concerning Government, he makes that point. He says, people often speak of the, the right to resist force with force. But he says, if you're a Christian, you have an obligation to do that because the source of your liberty, you are not the giver of your liberty. Uh, therefore, you owe something to he who originated your liberty, and that is to say God. And so you owe it to God to demonstrate to him your appreciation of the liberty that he has given to you and that ultimately vouchsafed to you via the sacrifice of his only begotten son. And so Sidney makes it very clear that it's not just your right to resist force with force when it comes to your life, your liberty, or your property. It is your obligation to do so. Well, and, and I think part of that obligation, not just a personal obligation, but also as a um, testimony to others, you know, I think that's an yeah. important thing that the, to, because um, if, if one's going to resist the government, um, uh, you know, especially a, a large government, chances of you winning is small, but it can start a, um, you know, start a, another resistance with maybe a few more people and, and, you know, it can it can definitely help to um, to as as well, they say in the scriptures, you know, have the blood of those to cry up, you know, to God mm. to, to to help save those that, that are in captivity. Well, you know, being from California, that you can have millions of acres of forest that starts because someone lights a cigarette and a spark lands in the wrong place. Yep. So. Don't worry that you feel like your efforts are just a spark. You know, it, it, you can, that little spark, if it lands in the right place, can ignite conflagrations that will alter the course of history. And history turns on tiny little fulcrums, my man. And so it's, you got a lot of 14 year olds who have changed history, you know, and um, our founding fathers were young men when they did what they did. And it takes people that are educated, people that have been taught from the cradle to appreciate not only the source of your liberty, but the value of your liberty as well. And taught to, as the founders would say, to resist in the first instance the slightest little disturbance, the slightest little usurpation deserves to be quashed immediately. And not when it's grown too large to, to control, but in its first appearance, it must be defeated. It must, you know, and so our founding fathers, that was their deal. Is this that big a deal? Maybe not, but it's tyrannical, and thus we will oppose it. Right, that, and that's the thing. Like a lot of times when we when we read the Declaration of Independence, for example, when we see the things that um, uh, King George did, some of them are abhorred and terrible, but others of them seem maybe small and petty. Um, but they're all the same in the sense that that what it is signifying is that he is saying he has a right to do to you what he, what no man has the right to do. And, um, uh, you know, things, things like attacks on tea, things like, um, you know, it's almost a, a byword and a hiss now where it's just like such a joke, um, to talk about that sort of thing. But I, I think about like the, um, in fact, you'll know why <laughs> I'm thinking about the, the whiskey rebellion and, uh, um, you know, how that, um, you know, seems like a small thing. Um, but it was not because they were able to see, you know, second and third stage of what was going to happen if they didn't resist. 
That's right. Yeah. And uh, all of those things. And that used to be who we were because, and not because we were belligerent, right? Uh, Not because we were hotheads, but because that generation was taught by their mothers in the cradle uh, of the true source and value of liberty. And they knew you just, it's something you didn't question. If someone comes and by force is attempting to take your life, your liberty, or your property, then you have an unmitigated uh, and natural right to resist matching force for force. And they didn't question. It wasn't a question. No one, even those whom they fought, did not question their right to fight. They questioned their wisdom. They questioned the sagacity. They questioned the likelihood of success. But you won't even read in English newspapers at the time of the War for Independence of someone saying they have no right to resist. They they definitely had the right. It's just um, they exercise that right where we don't, but it's not difficult. People, you know, say that all the time. Why don't we, you know, resist the way our fathers did? Because we don't know liberty. There isn't a human being on this earth who has known freedom the way our fathers knew it. There just isn't. It's been gone for too long. And it's at the point now where we've gone a good five generations with the plutocrats in near monopoly control of education. And they are not going to give you the grand key for how to, you know, they're not going to give you the weapons necessary to to tear their playhouse down. And right. so you have to find that in other places. But thankfully, we live in an era where if you are wise, you can access, and if you're wise, you will access, the text of every important treatise ever written on the subject of self-government, of liberty, of natural law. You can access them all on a five-inch piece of glass, 24 hours a day in English. And right. it's, we're, left, we're left without excuse, except our cowardice. Yeah. I, I think that the other, um, that also goes back to it. And I want to go, I want to go back further back philosophically, mm-hmm. but, but I, I also think that is uh, a remnant of that is still in our, or can be still in our jury system if we're educated about how juries work, because, you know, if somebody is, fa- is uh, tried by a jury of their peers for resisting, um, you know, a proper jury who is educated and understands liberty will recognize that a person resisting tyranny, um, no, you know, no matter the cost, is a free and an innocent man. That's um, right. Yeah, jury nullification is is another um, custom that we've lost. Uh, it's something that all. And what I'm of- saying is that's a free. That's a, that's a that's a like a. Um, it's a protection. Mm-hmm. It's a protection so that when we do resist, that we have the backing of our people that will that will be the ones that are judging us. Absolutely. And that's how it was intended to be. And all of the I wrote an article about this a few years ago, a really a, a lengthy article about the history of trial by jury, the Anglo-American history of that. And it all of the varsity squad founding fathers, all of them came out in full-throated support of juries nullifying unconstitutional or immoral or unjust laws. So you've got, you've got some, uh, some good people behind you when you, when you advocate for jury nullification. Right. Good. Well, this, let's take it back a little bit because, um, it, I think we as Americans, um, Think of self-government as we comprehend it um, as a, of, you know, of course, it's a, it's a given thing. 
Um, like we talk about self-government, even though maybe we don't understand it. Um, but we pretend that we have it. Um, but where does this idea come from and, and where are some of the, like some of our ancients, um, you know, how did they talk about this, you know, um, you know, comparing, you know, the idea of being, uh, having somebody to protect you versus having the liberty and, and being self-governed. Well, all of them recognized that man, I mean, all of those that are worth reading recognize the equality of man, the natural equality of man. And so if you and I are equal, then neither one of us has a, a natural uh, right to rule over the other. And so then how would there ever be a such thing as a king? Well, king comes from the root, same root word as kin. And the idea was these communities were families and extended families. And you would ultimately choose a man, and it was typically the oldest in, the, in your community, who had proven himself virtuous and wise, uh, who'd proven his ability to keep you out of war because war was destructive. When you're an agricultural society, war destroys your society. And so when we were agricultural, you want to avoid war at all costs. And so the king did not, there was no, when, when Adam and Eve were created, Adam, you're given dominion over the earth. Well, okay, then he had kids. Well, obviously he has dominion over them, but what about when all his kids grow up? Right. Does, does, you know, does Adam have dominion over Seth's children or does Seth have dominion over them? And so the ancients would say that as, as being born equal, we create government for our own purpose. Now, that's originally. Obviously, as we all know, there are there are other ways to get power over someone, force and fraud. Right? I can consent and I can say, do you know what, Mike? I'm gonna I'm gonna grant to you, I'm gonna loan to you a bit of my liberty that I enjoy by divine inheritance. I'm gonna give you a little bit of that and allow you to make laws for me in exchange for something that you know, you give to me that you offer to me in exchange. Well, that's fine. But also then when you get to a certain part and the virtue wanes, then you get people who say, yeah, but I'm stronger than you. Right. So you're going to do what I say, or they trick you. So you've got fraud, the trickery and force, the, the might makes right. And you've got those two things, which came along in the earth. So then you have to say, well, if you've got a situation where your community is now being ruled by someone who is, rather than protecting your life, liberty, and property, is destroying it, well, then you have a, you know, you come to a crossroads. Do you take back your, the, you know, whatever authority this guy has? Do you use force to offset his force? Or do you accept? the your new role as as slaves right and but there is it i remember the the words of um of algernon sydney when he says i'm rehearsing all this to you he talks about how you know there were individuals and communities the people came before the king the people made the king, not right. the king didn't make the people. And I remember that fr a phrase that he says in one of these chapters, and he's like, this is such common sense. He said, I wish I didn't have to explain this. Right. Because there's no way you don't understand this, that, well, that all men are equal and that often for our own benefit, we give people power over us, but that doesn't extinguish that power in us, it simply says, I'm loaning this to you, but in any moment that I feel that you're abusing that power, then I can take that power back. Or even if I feel I don't like the way you're doing it. If you read Federalist um, 46, 
James Madison, he says, you don't even have to, states don't even have to say that a federal act is unconstitutional to nullify it. They can simply not like it. It can simply be unpopular, right? And so that's the way it is. If I give someone power over me and that person abuses that power or doesn't use it the way I want it use, because I am the owner mm-hmm. of that power and I, I can take it back. It, it just, you know, if you tell your son that he has the right to use the car, if he uses it in a way that you don't agree with, he may not like that you take the keys from him, but he's not going to argue that he has the right to keep the keys. Right, right. He might argue that it's unfair and unjust and try to make excuses for why he did what he did. But ultimately, he knows that you get to take the keys back. It's your car. And so that's the thing that we've lost today is the idea that just because you get elected, that does not give you immeasurable, unquantifiable, unretractable power. Right. It doesn't. That me, you giving your son the right, and it, even if it came to a, you know, you said to your son, you can use the car anytime you like. I'm going to be that guy. You can use the car anytime you like. If your son and you are walking toward the, the table where your keys are, and you both reach for them at the same time, who's going to get to take the car? You are. The owner, right? (laughs) The owner is going to take the car, right? So that's, that's how we are. If we could understand that we, by giving someone authority, we do not give away our own authority to do that thing that we gave them authority to do if it comes down to a question of, are you doing it to my liking or not? I I love the Constitution, but no one who claims to understand the Constitution does understand it unless they understand the Declaration of Independence. Right. And the Declaration of Independence makes it very clear, right, that you don't have to give an excuse. You, If you're throwing off your government, Jefferson says, yeah, it makes sense to tell people why you're doing it. But even if people don't agree, you still can do it if it's for your own pleasure. Government in the very beginning only existed because the men who formed it reckoned that they were going to get more out of it than they were giving up. Right. No, that, and that, like, why would you do it otherwise? You know, otherwise it is, it's otherwise it really does uh, resemble the acts of a madman. Yeah. Well, it is. And it's funny. I think the two devilish lies that, that came into existence um, that, that we still deal with today are number one, the divine right of Kings. And number two, the divine right of elections. Like somehow, um, just because you were born to a certain family, you have the right to rule. It makes zero sense. And somehow, just because um, a neighbor of mine voted you into office, you have the right to rule over me. doesn't make any sense. Yeah, your neighbors can't weaponize their opinions against you, you know, without you being able to answer force for force. But of course, that's why... Also, the ancients, and I mean, not just the ancients, the, the relatively, what we would call the moderns, but, you know, 16, 1700s, the, even prior to the Enlightenment, but the Enlightenment guys, they all made a very strong point of living with those, among those with whom you share principles of justice and good government and morality. Because if you don't, then you are creating a system that has inherent conflict. There, If you go into the system knowing that you and this guy that you're making a, a community with disagree on, on concepts of government and liberty and justice, then all you're saying is someday this is going to blow up. Yep. 
and, and, and you don't want to do that. And there's no way that a community of what almost 400 million people can, you know, have the same values, have the mm-hmm. same ideas and live coherently together. Um, you know, th- we're just not that virtuous. Right. And you can read a letter that um, Abe de Mobley wrote to John Adams, where he was praising America saying, oh, you guys are so smart. You figured it out. You haven't given away your sovereignty to one central government. Uh, you haven't, um, you haven't, you recognize, he says, that one law can't apply to so many millions of people. It's, it is your great advantage, is what he calls it, that we didn't do that. But now we live under a central government that has consolidated all but the most meaningless power into its hands, and then it has doled out that power to unelected and unaccountable bureaucrats who rule with impunity as, you know, these agencies rule as judge, jury, and executioner. And we, but Mike, this is the thing you get to, and it's what, I I think I did a video on my Instagram the other night, there, there is no tyranny without obedience to a tyrant. Right. So when people complain about the, the way things are, um, it's our fault. The government didn't lock down our country because of COVID. We stayed home because we could- Because we were ordered no, to. Right. <laughs> we could have resisted so easily and we could have used that moment as a stamp act moment the stamp act wasn't even in effect for a year before parliament said nope back that train up that's that's gone all kinds of wrong over there right they we could have used that as our own stamp but now it's like samuel adams says now that the government is seen they can close churches because of an invisible virus, they're going to do it again and again, and it's going to get worse every time. And we've become, as Machiavelli says in Discourses on Livy, he says, it is almost impossible to set at liberty a people who have been accustomed to the comforts of slavery. Yeah. Well, that's who we are. We're, we're, you know, we're accustomed to the comforts of slavery and it's nigh on impossible to free us. But you go back to Jefferson and he's like, every generation is presented with the question, will we, will we nourish the tree of liberty with the blood of tyrants? But that's every generation gets to decide that, Mike. My your your generation, we're the same generation. Yep. We we punted. We did not do it. Our fathers did not do it. Our grandfathers did not do it. But our children, that's yet to be decided. They've not come to that age where it will be handed to them and said, Okay, here is your choice. Do you acquiesce? Do you consent to the tyranny? And if they don't do it, then another. But how many generations? I mean, we're talking about Marcus Aurelius, one part uh, in his meditations, he's like, I, you know, how do you ever ask when you're having these experiences where it's seeming one defeat after another? Do you ever ask how? He's like, I understand we have to endure, but how long? Right. You know, and that's what I think often about about the situation we find ourselves in. We're always willing to say, we're always willing to kick the can and say, uh, the next generation will do it. The next and I, I do believe that, but then there comes a up a, a chance where the the whistle's gonna blow, man. Yeah. The final whistle's gonna blow eventually. Yeah. And we got to get it done before then, because otherwise it's as, not as Trenchard and Gordon, but as the anti-federalist Cato said, 
you by your cowardice and by your by your decision not to use courage and foresight you are requiring that your children will wade through seas of blood in an attempt to restore that which you could have handed down to them had you not been a coward that you know that's cato number 5 for those of you who want to read that it is it is uh, seriously, it'll wow. freeze your blood when you read what this man says. And and he says, we can stand up or we can sit down. We can kneel and crouch down. But just remember this, he says, that decision you're making that's easy on you will require your children to wade through seas of blood. Yep. Yep. And, and I think, you know, it's important. There's different kinds of resistance, right? There's, mm-hmm. there's the, um, I am just not going to comply resistance. Um, there's the, I'm getting out of town resistance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> there's, there's the putting the gun to the, to the authority's head resistance. I mean, there's, mm-hmm. there's, and there's everything kind of in between that. Um, and I think they all have their place, um, and time. and you know, like for example, you know, taking a, a AR-15 and and you know running into the the Capitol building probably isn't the smartest way to resist right now today to take down, try to take down the federal government. You and an AR-15. Well, no, because you won't be successful. That, right. That's ridiculous. That you know, when I hear people say that, I'm just like, either you're you know, counterintelligence, you know, like you're, you're the FBI trying to get me to agree to do something ridiculous. Right. Or you're so ignorant. I, I, you won't last a day if something like that were to actually pop off. Right. Because you've got to be, be wise. You've got to do these things with wisdom and order, not just because you're, you, we want to be successful. This is not a game, Mm -hmm. right? This isn't a game where you're going to get points for being courageous. This is something that we actually want to accomplish and that it isn't a competition between two correct but competing ideas of what's right. It is tyrants and evil versus free men and virtue. That's it. So we're not competing. We're not out here arguing about, oh, well, it's nuance. No, nuance. No, it isn't. Right. They are the enemy. You are are the enemy. As Cicero said, let us mark them in their brow, right? That they are traitors to the Republic. And then let's get at it. But, you know, this is a real thing that needs to be done with wisdom and order. Hence, everybody loves quoting the Second Amendment. The second, they love quoting the end of it, mm-hmm. right? To, to ripen, to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. But a well-regulated militia. Why didn't they just say the militia? Because the militia, without being well-regulated, is useless as tits on a boar hog. Right. What are you going to do? You're going to run out there with your AR-15 and parent. You know, what are you? What are you doing, yeah. Jethro? Be, you know, get with your neighbors, be, follow the advice Thomas Gordon gave, follow the, Thomas Gordon is quoting Livy, who says, get together with your, your neighbors, cousins, brothers, uncles, fathers, all the, get together, train together, a well-regulated militia. So marching on your little AR-15, I, what could, what are you doing? What are you even thinking about? Right. It has to be, it has to be like John Adams said, he said 13 because there were 13 states, 13 clocks all striking the hour at the same time. Right. You talk about the Boston Tea Party. There were a lot. What about the Charleston Tea Party? What about the Savannah Tea Party? What about the New York City Tea Party? What about the Philadelphia? Tea? Nobody talks about those, but Probably because they don't want us to realize how organized this resistance was. This wasn't just a bunch of hotheads, yeah. right? 
there's a, a new biography of Samuel Adams. I would, uh, you know, I would really recommend it because I don't know the lady who wrote it or personally, but uh, the book, I read it recently. It seems very even-handed. Plus it describes it. This is not a guy who is just some, uh, you know, rage monster who right. had some sort of fant- soldier fantasy. Yeah, because that's was the impression a, a lot of people have of him. Yeah, this was a religious guy, a family man, a, a guy given by his neighbors repeatedly elective responsibility, a guy who had a lot to lose, a guy who, but he had a gift. He had a gift for making people see things the way he saw them. And we're just fortunate that he saw them correctly. You know, and. Amen. And we just have to, we have to organize. I wanted to say something about this, Mike, if you don't mind. Yeah, please. Going back to, to uh, Marcus Aurelius and meditations, which again, Thursday, starting this coming Thursday, 6 p.m. Central, hit one of us up and join. It's free. We're going to read this book together. It's going to be amazing. But one thing he says is he's like, no form of toil. So this is, what book are we? Let me see. Hold on. Uh, notebook six, notebook six, paragraph 33, he says, no form of toil is unnatural for the hand or the foot. As long as the foot is doing the work of a foot and the hand is doing the work of a hand. Now, obviously we know that Paul makes a similar analogy in first Corinthians chapter 12. But my point in what we're talking about this resistance is don't be angry if you're, you know, if you're the appendix and not the brain. (laughs) Right. Right. Know what you do, what you offer better than other people offer that. And each of us do that. Become well-regulated in the sense that know thyself. And something Marcus Aurelius says, if that were so easy, philosophers wouldn't talk about it as much as they do. Right. You've got to know yourself. And when you know yourself and come to know, what do I offer the cause of liberty? What do I particularly, am I the, because if you offer X and you keep pounding, trying to do Y, not only are you making yourself frustrated and anxious and embarrassed, but you're also thwarting the cause. Because if you're a hand, do hand things, right? You know that saying, kings do king things. Right. Hands, hands, if you're a hand, go do hand things. If you're a foot, do foot things. Don't try to do the other, even though you may think that another part is sexier or gets more attention. There, there wouldn't be a single reception by a wide receiver for a touchdown if there wasn't a really good offensive line, a good quarterback, right? That's right. That wouldn't happen. So, yes, the quarterback and the wide receiver, you know, they get all the glory, right? But those offensive line, giving that quarterback the time to throw that ball downfield – they might not get the credit, but that wide receiver and quarterback know mm-hmm. yep. that that offensive line deserves the credit. So in this, in this effort to restore our liberty, do as, you know, as Marcus Aurelius suggests, if you're a, find out if you're a hand or a foot, and then if you're a hand, do the work of a hand. If you're the foot, do the work of a foot, and then the whole body benefits. Right. And by the way, that's pretty good. Just plain old life advice, not just how, right. you, you know, that's, that's just good advice, but yeah, absolutely. When it comes to, I think, uh, a lot of endeavors get, um, uh, stopped because there's too many chiefs and not enough Indians. There's, there's, you know, too many, uh, people who, too many agendas. I'll just say it that way. That's probably the best way to say it. There's too many well, agendas. Yeah, I've noticed that, well, there's too many agendas and too many people who 
our self-proclaimed patriots are charlatans. I'm not saying that they don't really want liberty to be restored, but what they want, they don't want it as much if they're not getting paid to do it. If I'm not getting rich and famous off my patriotism, I don't want it. So that's not patriotism because if you read the lives, for example, of the signers of the Declaration, those guys, all, almost all of them, died really terrible ways for their courage. And um, today, what I see, and I'm not going to name names because I don't, you know, I don't look on their heart, but I see in the fruits that some of these people who are these self-professed leaders of the conservative or patriot movement, that more than anything, they're just promoting themselves. Right. And you don't, you don't find that in our fathers doing that. Um, I wanted to read to you this from book six as well, regarding this effort to bring people along and to convince the government, get back in your constitutional cage. Right. So Marcus Aurelius, he's like, you do what you can do, right, with regard to this. But then he says, try to persuade them, try to persuade them by all means. But when it comes to action, you should go ahead, even if they demure, whenever the principle of justice directs you to do so. Guys, if you were to read the books that our founding fathers read, you would be so afire with a zeal for liberty the way they were that you, we wouldn't have to question whether or not we will restore our liberty because you would look around and see the faces of people who understand what we lost, what it's going to take to get it back, and they were ready to pay that price. Yeah. But we don't have that understanding because we've purposefully been fed, this is Dick, this is Jane. See Jane throw ball to Dick. See Spot, where our, our ancestors were reading Tacitus. There's in, a difference. In Latin. <laughs> yeah. And we're all proud if our nine-year-old today, you know, is not blowing spit bubbles anymore. Right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But you got nine-year-old James Madison reading, you know, Sallust and Tacitus in Latin and taking notes. That's why, guys. They're not, and they're not smarter than us. Don't get it twisted. Our founding no. fathers, they're not smarter than us. No way. Not at all. Maybe they, fewer distractions. <laughs> they oh, probably fewer distractions. But we we can do what they did, but we just have to know what they knew. And we don't know what they knew because we go to schools run by the tyrants who are never going to teach you the things that oppose tyranny. Right. It's against their best interest. It doesn't make any sense, right? What, what is, was it Trenchard that said yeah. uh, <laughs> that, you know, why would the, why would the, 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 you know, the, the thief or the, uh, the evil person do anything against his interest? And of course these, Government yeah. schools are not going to do anything other than uh, perpetuate the government, perpetuate the tyranny that they have over us. Precisely. And it's one of those, you know, it's the reason that, you know, I say we're blessed to have access to all these books that the founding fathers read. And it isn't an exercise of like, you know how they put out, these are the 100 greatest books of all time. And I have a little chart and I'm going to read them all. Great, knock yourself out, but it's not it's not that kind of deal. It's like whenever I teach a class on these books, and sometimes you'll have parents say, "Well, what's my kid's homework? Are, when are we going to have a test?" I'm like, "You had a test today. 
oh, well, my, my child didn't tell me that there, you assigned a test or you had a test. I'm like, he had a test if he listened and applied those things. Ultimately, the test is going to be, is, does there come a generation whose parents cared enough to educate them on the principles that once restored our liberty? That's all it's going to be. That's the test. And so it isn't just a matter of, I've read these books. The, the devil also believes and trembles. Who cares that you do? It doesn't, it doesn't even matter. What matters is, do you read them and do you marinate in them? And do you act on the principles that you find therein? And, and I think it's also important to have an imagination to, mm -hmm. and, and that's a, and, and I, I think we lose, have lost our imaginations, but if you can imagine what a truly free people would look like, if you can imagine what you would do in a free society, not having to look over your, um, over your shoulder every single time you're driving in a car or every time that you, um, you know, want to, want to start a new career, you, you have to get a, a, a license or a permission from uh, some bureaucrat to start it or to start a business. Um, you know, there's so many, there are so many things that are just so entrenched in our lives that it's right now, that it's even hard to imagine what a truly free society would look like. And, but I think it's important to try. Yeah, it, it, it is, I think, impossible. I think, and that's one of the things that keeps us divided is because we allow talking heads and politicians. It is, it is part of their policy to divide us so that they can command us, right? They, they don't want us to realize that we have, that all of these groups into which they divide us, that we all have one thing in common and that's we're being oppressed by the same group of people. Right. But they, you know, and that's, so that's one of the things they want to do there. Oh yeah, of course these guys want freedom, but they want freedom at the expense of fill in the blank of another group. When yeah. in reality, liberty as, as inherited by all mankind is a is the tide that lifts all boats, Mike. You, everybody is better off yeah. in, a, in a truly free society. And guess what, bud? If, if you're not, there are, there are 200 and something other countries to go live in. I mean, seriously, if you chew, and even in this, you know, they're supposed to be 50. That's what I was going to say. It's, it's, there's 50, there, there's supposed to be 50 countries to live in, in this union. And in how many, and how many thousands of different communities could have different right. philosophies Precisely. and different ideas and, and running different, um, organizations. There's, there's, right. it's endless. The, the beautiful ways that we can create, um, in a free society where free people are free to come and go. Um, the, 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 the amazing ways that we could construct to, um, build up humanity is it's in, it's, it's infinite. Infinite. Exactly. And we can have these little communities and it doesn't mean we have to get along. Right. All it means is I'm not going to attack you. You don't attack me. You don't steal from me. You don't harm from me. I don't steal from you. I don't, harm. I don't have to agree with you. You can have laws in your community that I think are just the most immoral, unconscionable principles. But I'm not going to attack you over it because you'll say the same thing about mine and you don't attack me. And we all get along perfectly well because there's no more fighting over, you know, there's no more uh, fighting over abortion. There's no more fighting over welfare. There's no more fighting over um, uh, gender or whatever. Yeah. There's no more fighting over any of that stuff, man. There's no more fighting, fighting, over, <laughs> fighting over, over, over borders. and Yeah, there's <laughs> no more doing that. All that's gone. But, but all it takes, you see, is education because that's, you know, that's Madison, that, that knowledge is the only sure guardian of liberty. Yeah. And here's the other thing that you don't have of which, which, which would scare a certain person, which is you have no more need 
for an overseer. You have no need for somebody to tell you what to do. And when that happens, that person loses power. And therefore, that's why just by forming a community and doing something like that is resisting to a great degree. It is. I mean, today, I honestly think the greatest and most effective act of resistance is to improve your personal virtue and then to commit to keeping your kids out of the public or charter or even private school system and to teach them timeless principles of liberty because if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And what our fathers did worked. The things they learned. Why do you think people are like always getting like, oh, that's such a good quote. Oh, I love that quote. It's not just because it's old. It's because it's so dang true. Yeah. And these, our fathers didn't read these in quote books, man. They read these in books that their fathers, you know, and mothers knew would raise them in the way they need to be raised. And so the greatest act of resistance today is have a bunch of kids, raise them to be true patriots, and then get out of their way. That's the greatest act of resistance. Man, that's that's a fact. That's that's good stuff. Well, you know, and ju- and, well, just like the, the the Aurelius thing, you know, just just remember, you you want to ex- yes, you want to exhaust peaceful means, right? It's like um, Sydney says in discourses too. You you want to exhaust peaceful means, as Aurelius says, by all means, persuade them. Try to persuade them. But in the end, when it comes to action, regardless of how they want to how they want to paint your actions, regardless of how they want to sell it to other people, when it comes to actions, you must do as justice compels you to do, regardless of anyone else's acceptance or rejection of those acts. When justice demands you do something, then you must do it or you must acquiesce to a life filled with injustice. You are listening to And If Love Remains. First of 23 installments requested by Dr. Levitt. Trying to be in compliance here because we're taking him and that whole organization down.